Welcome, everybody. Let's talk real estate. Your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With the man right in the middle of it all, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul. Thanks. Uh, we're back here again uh, to talk some more real estate on OC Talk Radio. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. And if it's one thing that I've learned in my 30-plus years of doing real estate is to look at both sides of the equation, try and gather your information, and make the best informed uh, decision that you can with whatever you're trying to deal with. And I'm excited for today's show. we got a little different topic. We're going to tie in real estate with public safety and with crime. Uh, our guest today is Orange County Sheriff Don Barnes. Don, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we get going, I want to do a quick shout out for our viewers and our listeners out there. I want to remind you that I am speaking as a panelist on the uh, Genesis Bank uh, Orange County Real Estate Symposium, which is this Thursday, May 19th at uh, their corporate offices at MacArthur Court in Newport Beach near John Wayne Airport. We have uh, several people from CBRE, uh, Marcus and Millichap, some of the uh, largest real estate companies in the country, if not the world, talking about Orange County real estate, apartments, office, industrial. It will be exciting. Free food, free drinks. Uh, it is free to attend. So anyone out there that's interested, you can go to genesisbank.com and get more information. We'll look forward to seeing you. And so back to our topic. It's a show that we've been wanting to do for some time in tying in some of the ancillary things that relate to Orange County on a day-to-day -day basis and how that relates back to the real estate market at the end of the day. And I don't think there's any question that people are concerned about public safety. The safety of the community as a whole has a direct value on the real estate in the community in its entirety. And so, Don, I'm glad to have you on the show and, and get your input and, and advice and feedback on the different topics we're talking about. Before we get started, in terms of your background with Orange County, just for our view, and our listeners out there, you're long time in public safety, long time in Orange County. You've seen a lot of changes here. I have. Uh, I just started my 34th year with the Orange County Sheriff's Department, taking over as sheriff in 2019. And interesting fact about me, I, I worked in real estate finance before I started with the Orange County Sheriff's Department. I wanted a less stressful job, so I went into law enforcement from the real estate market. I was coming down from 19% back in those days when I was involved in obviously a huge refinance market that took place during the the 80s yeah. and uh, I was part of that and just wanted a change in my career and got into law enforcement. I'm a longtime resident of Orange County. I've seen a lot of change. My parents moved us to Orange County in the early 70s back when there's still strawberry fields and yeah. orange groves and a lot of other things and all that's been kind of taken over and almost fully developed now as we get into kind of the last stages of what Orange County is probably going to be for many, many years. Yeah, no question. And the difference between the 70s and even the 80s. And I remember I used to go away for a week and come back and there was a new street and a new light and uh, new houses that got built, it seemed like. So there's been just a tremendous amount of growth. I think the move to law enforcement was a good one. You're better dressed than uh, the average person and uh, and certainly got to be less stressful than dealing with real estate during COVID and in a changing environment, although stress nonetheless. But. Well, there's plenty of stressors that we're all dealing with uh, through this economy and post-COVID, hopefully getting beyond 
the last several years and back to whatever our new normal is going to be. Yeah, and, and I think that the other folks that we've had on the show have all shared the same opinion, which is you've got to move on, and while COVID is not completely gone, we have to move on with our lives. We have to get on with whatever business agenda we have. And that was one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. I know it's an election year for a lot of people, so a lot of offices that are key offices, all the way from the governor down to the Orange County Board of Supervisors, and even measures on the ballot for folks in Newport Beach trying to decide, you know, do they want to elect their own mayor or not? And you're on the ballot as well for re-election so good luck with that and I, I don't I don't know that anybody's running against you so I think you'll be okay well I don't have an opponent so it's uh, I'm not sure what was more stressful trying to get to a date and see if you're gonna have an opponent or uh, running a campaign now that I'm beyond March 11th which is the filing deadline and I don't have an opponent I like this much better yeah and I was gonna vote for you so I think you'll win at least 1-0 right so all I need is one thank uh, you Barry yeah you're there so I guess the real question then going forward is if you look ahead it trying to implement whatever agenda you and the sheriff's department collectively combined with the political figures and the board of supervisors and the community want to address in a bigger picture and I guess one of the questions just for our viewers and our listeners out there who aren't familiar with how it works if you could just explain the difference between the sheriff's department which oversees the county and some municipalities and an individual city's own police department and what the difference is sure so within california there's 58 counties which means there's 58 county sheriffs there are 34 cities within orange county Uh, as a county sheriff i have jurisdiction over the entire county and a lot of the responsibilities i have include the county jails uh, security for the courts contract Harbor Patrol, the John Wayne Airport, OCTA, numerous tactical teams and helicopters and a lot of other things that we do, including outreach opportunities. We provide direct patrol services for 13 of the 34 cities, including the unincorporated area by statute, which is ours to patrol other than traffic. Traffic in unincorporated areas is the responsibility of the California Highway Patrol by statute. And so we patrol direct patrol services to about one quarter of the county's residents. About 800,000 people get their policing by the Orange County Sheriff's Department. Of the cities in Orange County, if you include the unincorporated areas, the top 10 safest communities in the county are provided services by the Orange County Sheriff's Department. And Orange County overall, with the 21 municipal partners I have, the Chiefs of Police, if you look at it as an urban area, it is the safest urban area in the United States. Yeah, which is kudos to you and everybody else involved in the process and makes the average person in the community hopefully feel a little bit better and, and safer, and uh, which makes it that much more attractive, in addition to all the other reasons, the sunshine and the beach, for people to want to live in Orange County. Well, there are a lot of reasons that Orange County is attractive. That's not without challenges. We have numerous challenges that we're facing that are both local, regional, and even national that we're addressing really right here out of Orange County as a leader in the law enforcement and policing front that we have in our local areas. And and what are some of the big challenges going forward? I know we talked homeless is certainly an issue. Crime in general, I guess I'll throw out the whole narrative of defunding the police. And, And that was one of my questions. Is that really just a false narrative? And where do we stand on that in Orange County? I know it's happened in other places. Well, let's start with the defunding the police movement that started really after George Floyd, the incident in Minneapolis. And I was perhaps the first law enforcement professionals to, to speak out in what I observed and how I was so upset watching that because, first of all, it's not a tactic we use. I've never seen that used as a tactic before, and there's nothing short of just strangling somebody to death and what happened there with Officer Chauvin. So that, but that, unfortunately, even though it's you know over a 1,000 miles away from Orange County, it splashes on law enforcement as a profession. And it started that conversation about defunding the police. And I may shock you with this response. 
I'm not fundamentally against what I think they wanted to accomplish. It's not a defunding the police issue. It's funding the appropriate intervention strategies that are just absent and have been absent for many decades. If you look at some of the challenges we're facing, whether it be homelessness or substance use disorder or mental illness, those are issues that there are other intervention models and people responsible for providing those off-ramps before people decline into a law enforcement contact. So when I would talk about defunding, it isn't a defunding the police. You can see why people are angry with law enforcement, but they shouldn't be angry with law enforcement. They should be upset that the intervention strategies are absent. So without those intervention strategies, all of these issues manifest into decline mental health, increased substance use, uh, homelessness for whatever reasons, the variety of reasons that drive that issue, and they fall on the shoulders of law enforcement as the first face of government to address those crises. And we should not be the first face of government people come in contact with when they're in a mental health crisis or substance use disorder or whatever it might be. We should be the last. Somebody should not be meeting government for the first time wearing a uniform, a, a badge, and a gun. Yeah. So I've been an advocate for building out the system, if you will, and putting those intervention models in place. And we've done a lot of really great work in Orange County in recent years as, as a progression of numerous strategies that we've put in place. And we've been right at the tip of the spear leading that with others, not just the Sheriff's Department, but we have uh, members of the boards of supervisor, uh, private partnerships, faith-based organizations. We have this great collaborative strategy now that's in place that hopefully will continue to address these issues and get law enforcement out of the business of mental health and out of the business of homelessness and out of the business of people who are in drug or narcotics uh, and alcohol crisis and get them into places where they can get their treatment or get back on their feet or in disability so that we don't have to deal with them again. Yeah. That's really the model we, we were building out and putting in place. And that does two things, really. One, it uh, helps those people in need to deal with the issues that they have. And then number two, you would think if done successfully, would free up law enforcement to be able to focus on bigger, more pressing, not that it's not pressing, but other issues and, and major crime and things like that, right? Sure. So if you look at my, first of all, for the listeners, and, and when you look at a municipal or government budget, we don't operate like a business, like your business that you run. You run on income. We run on revenue. And our revenue is not as finite. It's set every year based on taxes and other provisions that bring money into government that gets dispersed into different areas. And public safety would be one example of where that money goes. It's very difficult for me to argue for additional funding because the funding's based on tax revenue and other revenue streams. And I'm a big believer in being responsible for taxpayer dollars, first and foremost, because you can't just throw money at problems. I'm one of the first, I may be one of the few elected officials or government officials that I look at taxpayer dollars for the return on investment. If we're not getting that return on a program or an outcome that's desired, I will stop and reinvest that money somewhere else to get what we need. But going back to the issues you mentioned, I have 40 deputies that work our patrol in the communities that do nothing but behavioral health outreach. That's working with the mentally ill or the homeless population those in drug crisis or whatever it might be. I didn't get 40 additional deputies to do that. Yeah, I took deputies off their primary mission of policing and redesignated them to address this issue. And they really need to go back and do the job they're hired and trained to do, which is policing. And the three tenets of policing are very, very simple. It's crime prevention. It's apprehending people who commit crime and order maintenance. That's the three tenets of policing. It is addressing these these, um, mental health and social issues that we have taken on as a mantle. And then beyond that, Barry, if you look at some of the um, issues that the community is really upset with, we have numerous metrics that we measure. We run, it's like a business. Uh, Crime, uh, crime trends, 
response times, and one of those is use of force. How many uses of force we have? We have one of the lowest use of force factors for a major law enforcement agency, but I could very easily reduce my use of force by 50% if we didn't have to deal with these issues that aren't ours, the social issues, because 50% of the uses of force we have are people in mental health crisis, under the influence of alcohol or drugs, experiencing homelessness. And we can, if we had people to address those issues in a safe manner, obviously sometimes law enforcement has to be involved, but that would be a 50% reduction of use of force overnight. Yeah, interesting. As we discussed, it's not a problem that's solved in a day, and it's not a simple, uh, I, can, I can do it in one swipe of the pen or, or one sentence. So it's an ongoing issue. I guess one of the, just to shift gears a little bit, if, if you compare Orange County and the crime overall the safety the, the plate of what you deal with on a daily basis to other metropolitan major metropolitan areas like a Los Angeles or a Chicago those all have their own challenging issues how does Orange County compare in your opinion to some of these other major metropolitan issues are we ahead of the game and do we look to those some uh, some of those areas as a, a benchmark for guidance or to say hey look we don't want it to go there well I can tell you from my experience I'm on numerous boards and committees and one of several of them are national and when I'm with my peers, that would be the sheriffs that represent about 100 counties of the 3,100 counties across the nation. And these, these 100 sheriffs actually represent about 38% of the nation's population. Hmm. And when we're discussing issues, whether it be retention and training or whatever the issues may be, it's not uncommon for my peers to look over to Orange County and say, what are you doing there? Because you're generally ahead of the curve. And that's quite a compliment for us. There's so many variables that go into our ability to... Um, to design programs, to implement them, to get support, get funding, all of these things. And unfortunately, some of the areas you've mentioned, and I'm not going to get into get comparison between Orange County and Los Angeles, Orange County, and any of these major urban areas, but some of those areas have a lot of political inference and political drive that happens there. And, and that's not, by default, I'm an elected official, so I'm a politician by default, but I'm still a career peace officer. I still see my role in that way. So I go to work focused on public safety first. I don't need a banner to run around with and get attention. In fact, if I never saw a television camera or a microphone again, right. I'd, be, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I just really am blessed with the people I have. But all that said, there's all these variables that play in and the media-driven narrative that's taken place really over the last three, four years has made our job very, very difficult. Just Orange County-centric, not speaking about the others. The one, I think the one difference for us here, and it has remained that way, is we still have tremendous support from the community. Um, we're not perfect. We make mistakes, and we own those, and we'll fix them and move on. But our elected officials also, I think, are still tremendously supportive. So I don't have the issues that some of my partners across the nation are having with these. And if you look at the violent crime trends and some of these things that are happening, and just, for example, this past year, when we had the smash and grab trends that were happening around the nation, we had a strategy in Orange County that we were going to address that, and, and we really curbed a lot of it. We had a couple of one-offs, but we didn't have the issues that were being faced around the rest of the nation. And, and really, Barry, it's because we still arrest people here in Orange County for crime as best we can. We hold them accountable. I have room in my jail. Some of these other counties around the state and the nation are at maximum capacity, which means yeah. you get a very reduced sentence, and you're going to do your sentence in Orange County if you get sentenced here for these crimes. We had one individual, for example, that committed a crime, a commercial burglary, and you're a commercial property owner, so you know what that can, how right. impactful that can be on tenants and commerce. Well, he was arrested. He was brought to trial, and he was told he was going to... The first thing he said was, well, when am I getting out? Because in L.A., just I'd be out in a couple of days and right. said, oh, no, no, you're you're staying. Yeah. And the look on his face was, I don't want to 
come back here anymore. No. And that's not a bad thing when we have, you know, maybe with the criminal element, these are professional career criminals, and they realize if I go to Orange County and I get caught, I'm going to do a lot more time than I'm going to do in other areas. And not that I'm trying to punt this onto other people, and that's unfortunate for my peers who have these, these issues in the counties that they are, but it does create an environment for us to hold people accountable appropriately, but also deter some of the criminal element. But all that said, and this is going to shock you, when I have them in my jail, I'm going to do everything I can to get them back on their feet into programs, into some other uh, avenue out so they don't come back. I have a lot of programs to stop of recidivism within our jails, and there's a focus on that as well. And so short answer is there's room in the jails where you're still arresting people that do bad things and break the law, and as it should be, right? And the concept of defunding the police for the average person who listens to the news and, and hears things and believes everything that they hear on TV, the defunding piece of it is not less officers which will create or allow for more crime. It's very complex. Uh, well, conversation. What well, is, but in areas that have embraced that around the nation um, over the last several years, they have now reversed their their talking points. So they said it wasn't about defunding, but that's exactly what they did. Through attrition, they reduce officers by the hundreds or thousands, depending on the area. And now they're saying they're realizing that that was not a good thing, and they are saying, no, we want to refund or fund the police, and it becomes a morale issue and a sure. value issue. If, sure. you're, if you're a peace officer working with those areas and you know that you're not valued, they lost. Go someplace they lost else. All, believe me, I hired a lot of them. Yeah. So a lot of the people that were not in areas that felt like they were in value or supported by either their elected officials or the community want to work somewhere where they are. And I've hired hundreds of them in Orange County over the last several years. Yeah, not to pick on Minneapolis, but I mean, it's cold. So if I was going to go, I mean, I could go to Florida and be treated better, more appreciated than maybe I look at doing that. Yes. I guess that brings me to my next question, which is as a business owner in today's economic environment, I struggle with hiring. It's very low unemployment. There are people out there that just don't want to work. There are other folks out there that are moving around and looking for other opportunities. And it's, and it's very hard to grow your business in, in the current climate. How does that relate to the sheriff's department in terms of recruitment and in terms of bringing on new people? Is there still a desire? Do you have talent out there? Is that a challenge as well? We do. We have talent. But my attracting people to law enforcement right now is a little difficult because of the public narrative. And I don't think that's true for people who want this. We're still hiring people. I had uh, thousands of applicants for deputy sheriff specifically last year, and we are hiring uh, still. So if you're looking for a career opportunity, go to uh, ocsheriff.gov, and there's uh, you can find information on how to become involved. And uh, half my people that work for me aren't deputies. They're uh, electricians and, and other people. So we have a, a half of our workforce is just support staff that come in. But all that said, this is no different for us. We run a business, but it's more complicated for me because I'm competing with the general public. When we're yeah. in full employment, I'm trying to entice people in when they can get a job somewhere else. And then when I hire them, they have to pass a very strict background, all these hiring practices, a psychological exam. So that takes time. And when you have a job that can start next week or you right. have to wait six months before you get an answer, sometimes that's not, not easy. But beyond that, Barry, and it, you mentioned this also, hiring the right people is only half the equation. Retaining them for 30 years is a more important other half. And I'll monetize this for your listeners. And keep in mind, these are taxpayer dollars. These are your, this is your money I'm right. talking about. Our retention rate right now is through the roof. We're keeping people. And what that means for me, if I was dealing with the attrition rate that I experienced when I started as a deputy in the late 80s. Uh, we were losing one in three deputies every three years. That mm -hmm. means to get, you had to hire four people to get 
three right. to right. year to year four. If I was dealing with that attrition rate today, it would cost me seven million dollars over the next five years just rehiring people because they left. That's money we can put into programs, uh, all these great things we have opportunities to do. So uh, morale is important to me, valuing our employees is important to me, and most importantly, retaining them for a longer lifespan. Because if I can keep them longer, it means we can reinvest or invest dollars more appropriately into programs and services the public get to experience. And if you have people that believe in what they're doing for a cause, they take pride in what they're doing and they feel appreciated, that would keep them around longer, I would think, as well. Yeah, I think that's true, and I, we have some great people. You know, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, when I started back in you know the late 80s and through the 90s, all the fun things that we did were gang enforcement and narcotics and all these right, undercover right. jobs. The one position that's highly sought after for me today, the one spot our deputies want to work, is our behavioral health outreach. Those de dealing with individuals experiencing homelessness and that, those people in that group. So it goes to show you where the heart of the young people we're hiring today is. It's in the service part of what we do. And and uh, I got to tell you, I'm blessed to have such a great team we got to work with. Yeah, and, and back to the community as a whole, there's so much going on in Orange County with whether it's the boat shows or whether it's the car shows or the festivals or other things. And one of the cool aspects of it, I would think, is uh, being part of the Sheriff's Department is to go to these and not only keep the peace but get to experience all this fun stuff as opposed to uh, you know some of the down and dirty things. I have to tell my staff routinely, it's okay to smile. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes we build our own reputation and uh, we can also build it positively. I'm very strong and supportive of our staff to get out and smile and interact with the public. The vast majority of the people we deal with every day are not criminals. They're just the general public, and we can paint our own picture of what we're going to look like to them. They're people who are victims of crime, and they may be in trauma, and we have to remember that being a victim of a criminal, whether it be a theft or whatever it may be, can be a very traumatic experience for people or witnesses to crime. The vast majority uh, of those are just people that want to support us and want our help and our interactions with them. In fact, just on average, one, maybe, the average person in America have, may have one, maybe two experiences with law enforcement over their career. What a travesty would be for us if that one experience left a negative connotation sure, with sure. the Sheriff's Department. And so as a business model, I, I tell my staff, I wanna be the Nordstrom's of law enforcement. I wanna have that positive interaction with our staff that leaves that, you know, that warm feeling that I felt like I got good service. And that's really our goal, and I think that we are we're working towards that, and I think we're doing a really good job. Yeah. One of the other things I was going to ask you about um, was uh, relating back to the real estate side of things. So during COVID, as a landlord from the apartment side of things, not allowed to evict people, state doing everything they can to keep people in their homes, and now that that aspect of it is over as a landlord if you've got a tenant that really hasn't paid for a long time that really shouldn't be in there or can't afford it or just bad people whatever the case is they need to go uh, as a landlord back to doing evictions not that anybody wants to do it that's a last resort but the sheriff's department is the entity that winds up processing that in general how has that been as we come out of covid in terms of the volume, is it less is, than it was pre-COVID? Is it the same? Is it more? I mean, just from a volume perspective, I can't tell you um, the number. I know that there was a backlog. I know that there, in my opinion, people that took advantage of that uh, at the expense of landowners or property owners. I think there's also another aspect. You look at how we, the values of Orange County are so high, and one of my other hats I wear. I'm a numerous homeless uh, commissions and, and entities to help curb homelessness. So one of the best avenues to stop 
the bleeding, if you will, for homelessness is to stop people from becoming homeless in the first place. Sure. And one of my concerns as we move beyond this, obviously being aware of property owner rights, you have to, you don't, we don't have discretion. If there's an order for an eviction, we have to accommodate that order. But I'm also from the, from the pre-eviction side, if somebody can have subsidized rent or whatever it might be, that would keep them from becoming homeless in the first place. Because once somebody loses a home, you know this as a, as a property owner and, and looking at available tenants or the tenant market, once you become evicted and there's a civil process, it's much more difficult to get that person oh, into yeah. a uh, rental another agreement, another place, and they just perpetuates the homeless problem. So we have to have some stopgap in there as well. But it's been uh, it's been a tough year on, on many, many people. I don't know if by design, but I think the outcome that we've had, unintended or not, has put tremendous pressure on property owners and those in the commercial market as well. When this first started back in 2020, I was very concerned about the impacts on small business the mom and pop shops that were really getting hit the hardest from some of the revenue loss, income loss that they're experiencing from loss of uh, being shut down because of COVID or whatever it might be. And sadly, and I experienced this because my headquarters is in Santa Ana and I had the greats downtown Santa Ana area. A lot of the businesses that I frequented there Just are gone. Yeah. They're not there yeah. anymore. And it breaks my heart that those are family and family run businesses that no longer exist. And it begs the question, where do those people go? What are they doing? Right. And how are they providing for us? So there's a cycle, and it's this big wheel that keeps turning that drives all this, and it is the real estate market. And I have this business model that I look at. I've dealt with numerous chambers of commerce and, and other organizations throughout my career. We all are united in our desire to create a real estate market that drives you know, a safe community, because safe communities attract people that obviously feed the, the valuation of the real estate market. It's this perpetual, you know, we all have this interest and we're motivated for the same reasons to keep the market running well because the reverse of that or counter to that is the market starts to collapse. People aren't renting, revenue's not coming in because sales dollars aren't coming in. That's what drives us. Yeah. So it's a big picture view of how this all works together with synergy to make sure that the market stays healthy. Yeah. for all of our purposes. And it'll be interesting to see as we go forward with inflation, with still a tight real estate market on the housing side, how this uh, plays itself out here in the next uh, year or, or years to come. Um, we've just got a, a minute or two left. We could go all day, I'm sure. Uh, you've got plenty of uh, good input and, and feedback, and I've got a whole list of questions. We're just not going to get there. But one thing that I did promise my 18-year-old son that I would ask you is he wanted to know uh, what is the best thing about being the sheriff or in the sheriff's department, and what is the worst? You know, the best thing, I don't have a worst, but the best thing I can say is I get to work with phenomenal people. And I've had, over the last several years, people come up to me and, and say, sure, if you're doing a great job. And my response is always the same. Thank you. I'm blessed. I've got great people. And I shared that story with my staff at a staff meeting recently, and I use this analogy uh, with them. I said, this isn't singles tennis. This is not a one-man show. This, yeah. is, this is a football game. And everybody's got a position on the field. And somebody turned to me and said, that's true, but every good team needs a quarterback. And I smiled and said, that's true, but that's not me. I'm in the owner's booth watching the game being played. I have this phenomenal team of people, and they're all invested in, in doing the right thing. Uh, I love the innovation that we're brought, brought forward, and uh, we're doing some dynamic things. If not for COVID, a lot of the programs we had been sidelined, and we're getting those back on, on track to bring those forward. And, and I'm excited about what the next year 
next year brings. If there's one thing, I guess the worst thing about it is that uh, every sheriff has a shelf life, I guess, that someday I'm not going to be able to play the boys' game anymore and have to step out of this. Not anytime soon. I've got uh, four and a half years left, and I'm going to announce my, my next campaign in the spring, so I stay, plan on staying around for a little bit longer. But uh, I love the ability to interact with the public and the great support that we get here in Orange County. Yeah, well, and, and look, on behalf of myself and really for everybody out there, thank you to you and to your staff and everybody at the Sheriff's Department and law enforcement for all you do on a daily basis to keep us safe and keep the community chugging along. And at the end of the day, it does feed back to the overall economy. It does feed back to the desirability of Orange County as a whole and people who want to live here. So thank you. I wish you uh, much success success in the upcoming election and uh, in your game plan for implementing all the things that will make us better and make Orange County a better place to live going forward. And, and I appreciate you being on the show and sharing your thoughts with us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm Barry Saywitz, uh, president of the Saywitz Company. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners and our viewers for tuning in again. We will be back here again next week. I want to thank you, a big thank you to all the folks here at OC Talk Radio. We will be back next week with more Let's Talk Real Estate. Thanks for tuning in. Well, there you have it. You've been listening to Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in Southern California. On Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Streaming live from our studio here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.